What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. It's the Dearly Departed podcast. Featuring your host, historian Scott Michaels, and filmmaker Mike Dorsey. All right, it's a Dearly Departed Podcast, episode 35. Can you believe it? Happy Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> happy exciting. Halloween. I got my candy corn hat on. They're dressed for the occasion, the candy that people love to hate. I love candy corn. I'm one of the lovers. Do you like circus peanuts too? I don't. I'm not. Well, I mean, I'd not like I go out and run out and buy them, but eh, they're all right. But candy corn, especially if you get them with the uh, the pumpkins. Oh man, those are the best. <sighs> My teeth hurt just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's really? like a cilantro thing, where like some people think cilantro tastes like soap. There's like something about candy corn that some people just their taste buds reject it for some reason. Well, there was a time, I mean, I, when I was, I mean, I'm a sugar head, that's for sure. But uh, there was a time when I could just eat that stuff by the handful. But then mm -hmm. I just, you know, it's like circus, circus peanuts. You know, <laughs> I, I even look at when I want to puke. But, uh, <laughs> and the candy corn, I could probably, you know, it's sort of like, it's sort of like, well, if it's there, I'll have that. <laughs> but, right, right, right. It's not, you're not going to buy it if it's, if you're in line at the yeah. store. Right. And it's classic. And I like the way it looks. It, you know, I, I like getting it when I was trick or treating when I was. Hey, did, did, when you were trick or treating when you were a kid, was it old? Were you old enough to go door to door or was it already like parties only at that point? Oh, yeah. We, we I went door to door all all yeah. my growing up years, even longer than I probably should have, like into junior high. We were still going out and getting it <laughs> by junior high. We had figured out that if we went to like the rich neighborhoods, you could get like whole candy bars. Yeah from some people um you also got weird old people that would give you pennies and i got a pomegranate one year so pomegranate. from somebody yeah which i didn't even know what a pomegranate was i was like 12 uh, and it was heavy it was they, like they, would, they deserve to have that put there their window they really do <laughs> it was heavy enough a... it, it weighed my bag down it was like having a softball in my bag it was crazy <laughs> um but my mom cut it open when I got home so I could see, like, the seeds inside. So I got to learn what a pomegranate was. So it was a teachable mm. moment. But I'm sure this old lady had a pomegranate tree in her backyard, and that's just what she gave the kids, you know? Yeah. Give me so. cash. I'll take cash. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can give, give away pennies, but quarters, <laughs> those can add up by the end of the day, yeah. you know? Um, no, I was old enough. The 80s for everything was scary because they thought they were putting, like, razor blades and drugs in everybody's candy. But we were still doing it. We are still risking yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we introduced ourselves. I'm Mike Dorsey. I'm Scott Michaels. And what are we doing? One of my favorite movies of all time, The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. I never yes. thought there would be enough. 
I mean, I just love this movie and I sort of kind of didn't want to analyze it because I like it so much and I want to, it's like Sunset Boulevard. I haven't watched Sunset Boulevard since we talked about it because I like the movie so much. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to see it all the time. I want it to be yeah, special. Yeah, it's like when you like a song a lot, you don't want to overplay it so you get tired of it. Yeah. 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 So, but, but it was fun to watch this thing. I've watched it twice uh, in the last couple of days and uh, it's, it's just, it gets, it doesn't get boring at all i don't know how you felt about it but it's like a slice of childhood for me <laughs> and uh it just looks good it sounds good the colors and everything yeah. it's just it's 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 halloween the way i love it you know it's it's not jump scares it's not you know uh uh people getting their you know neck sawed open or something like that you know <laughs> i i just like the uh i like the innocent a very haunted mansion i've said yeah. this before but i'm a very haunted mansion person i'm not a friday the 13th person that's, that's it's fun definitely. spooky Yes, yeah. The Halloween movies, I will feed into that, though. I will. I have seen them all. I, I just mm -hmm. did. You, you see the new one, the, the new Halloween? No, ends? I'm not a big horror guy. No, no. Yeah, I usually I'm get not either. But films. I did like it. No, I shouldn't say that. I love. I like horror movies a lot. I do. But <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, uh, I, I like I, a psychological thriller. Horror is more my thing. Yeah. More than like yeah. horror horror. Right. I don't I slasher movies not my thing. Jump scares not my thing, but there's got to be some yeah. kind of edge to it. And uh and uh yeah, so anyway, but I, I like the Halloween movie. People are really lambasting it, but there mm. are Halloween purists. You know, there are Halloween, you know, right. bananas. They're bananas some of the people. And then good for them, you know, everyone's got to have a passion. Uh but uh but yeah, I don't um I I I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. Anyway. Cool. I got this is I'm, I've cracked open my ah. I think I, I'm down to about six of these. Oh, so, no, <laughs> I know. I know. I know. They expired over a year ago. But there I, has to be a plant somewhere like in like Uzbekistan or something that is still making tabs <laughs> that you can like get a connection to. You know, what? I, like how Mexico kept making VW bugs through like the 80s and 90s, oh, yeah. even after they yeah. stopped making them, you know, the main company. Like there has to be like black market tab. Well, there. they do have it. Uh, I guess. I guess it's, if you want to keep the patent or the trademark on it, you got to have it available somewhere. And there is oh. a Coca-Cola store in Vegas that sells Tab on Tap, but uh, but no cans. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so you're uh, you're like a Tab hunter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a good one. A name that will one. come up. A name that will come up today in the show. Um, everybody, we are on a Spreaker now. We moved over from Podbean uh, with our last episode, um, and we are on Spreaker um, because Spreaker lets us make a little bit of ad revenue. So you'll probably hear a few ads in this, but not too many. Um, I don't like to overdo it. Want to go into hate mail? Sure. Hate mail. So I've collected some I've collected some comments and some of them are, are well I'll just go into it. Mr. Michaels, I cannot understand what you were saying and you speak in such a way that captioning doesn't work. Hire a professional speaker to narrate your videos. <laughs> <laughs> we we need to dub over your part of the podcast with someone who speaks English, Scott. Obviously. <laughs> that was a good one. So, um, all right. So the next one, uh, let's see. This was on my Jane Mansfield's uh, car. I did this whole documentary about Jane Mansfield. And uh, and you and have her death car that she was in when she died. 
Right. And I went yeah. to, I did the whole thing. I went to, you know, the nightclub where she worked. I went to the place where they stopped the whole route. I drove the whole route and we went to the place where the car ended up and where they yeah. took o- the car to the Orleans. funeral home. Yeah. yeah. So somebody did write in, which I think is kind of funny, actually, that uh, when you're, when you're a celebrity, people would keep you, keep even your fart if they could. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It is true. I didn't even know. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I like that. That was pretty funny. Uh, oh, and also in that same video, Mama Cass also died in this accident. She was sitting next to Jane eating a ham, eating a ham sandwich, and she <laughs> chocked to death when the car smashed up. <laughs> that was clever. So what killed her, the sandwich or the car crash? <laughs> Good question. Good question. Answer that one. Uh, she just got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Cass Elliott, dude. Isn't that Good nice? Good for her. Yeah, it's nice. long overdue. It's, there's a lot yeah. of people that don't deserve stars, and it's nice that she that she did. Yeah. Uh, another nice comment: the dead will blight your ass. Well, he's arse actually. The dead will blight your arse for keeping that car as a trophy. So I guess they're going to come after me. Well, you know when you get when your ass gets blighted, now you know why. Right. The divine death room. I did. Uh, why give attention to a not-so-divine nothing burger? People need to make Jesus their Lord. What some think is entertainment is disgusting. Your divine hotel do- door is like one of my favorite things that you have in your collection, Scott. <laughs> I love that and the, thing. And the photo of it on the roof of your Jeep is, like, iconic. <laughs> that is that actually there is a comment about that too at the end of this which i, I quite like uh i did one in glenn quinn you know though the the guy from roseanne uh the irishman who was uh, died of an overdose he was mm. becky's boyfriend and uh you know again i went through the whole bit i went to the nightclub he owned and everything and as i mentioned went to where he died and went back to where he died and went to the grave to the funeral home and a whole bit and uh, I said the first thing he did was uh, is one of his first scenes on screen was giving Gwyneth Paltrow her first uh, on screen kiss. Mm. And uh, and the comment after watching this video, it's Gwyneth, not Gwyneth. <laughs> 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 but I did respond uh, when he said it's Gwyneth, it's Gwyneth, not Gwyneth. I wrote it's douche. <laughs> I wrote back ah. on the comment. Another comment inside the divine death room, meh. Meh. I lo- the meh comments are the best. They're honest. Uh, the fact that you drove down Sunset Boulevard with Divine's door strapped to the roof of your car is possibly the most Scott Michaels thing I've ever heard. Bravo. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> what do you think? That was quite a compliment, actually. It is amazing. I hope I do something uh, Scott Michaelsy. One of these days. That was funny. I just never heard. I just that's it's. It's. I forget that people even you know pay attention to stuff like that. So it's kind of neat to to get a shout out in that regard because it was ridiculous. I mean, it was yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah, that was. It hey, was. you saved it from demolition. It's a. I don't yeah. know. I think it's a good thing. Oh God, we did that thing too. I had my Dodge Colt, and this back when I took George per- George Burns' door from his house when it was being demolished. The closet. We right? didn't even strap. We couldn't even strap it down. We were in a, <laughs> a, a, a. It was a metal top Dodge Colt stick shift. So I'm holding it one side, driving with my with my knees. My buddy Steve has got him on the other side, and I'm shifting, and we're driving <laughs> through Beverly Hills. That was like at like two in the morning. That was that would have been an problem. amazing accident to explain. 
going. <laughs> yeah, honestly. So wait, yeah, that what was is that And from? we went back for a second one. That's the thing. We were in two doors. We went back and got a second one. Amazing. But, um, yeah. yeah, it was a good story. Steve and I had some good adventures. Um, We've had some a, a, mostly positive notes from people and people uh, thanking us for various episodes we did and always recommending ones. Um, one a good recommendation was... Uh, Bethany messaged us on Facebook recommending an episode on River Phoenix. And I wonder if we couldn't do, there's a bigger River Phoenix tie-in, something on the Viper Room or Sunset Deaths or something like that would be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, he's not 27 Club, but he's a. Mm-hmm. Tw- it could be that twenty three club or whatever however old he right. was. You know, it could yeah, be. Sure. We could make. We could make our own genre. Um, I mean, we did. It, he was in our first ever documentary we ever did. Our first dearly departed doc. We did that. Oh, that's and they're right. about to tear that block down. Yeah, boy. Yeah, we should do something with that. We should just. Yeah, we should do something. Something with that block. I did a little video just walking around it, but it would be neat to be able to. I wish we could get access, you know, to those yeah. buildings. They're they're slowly. I mean, they're empty. Some of them are already. They're yeah. just not renewing leases anymore. So, um, yeah, that makes me too sad for words. But uh, but um, yeah, that's a good idea. It was and just uh, yeah. They're about to tear down the old Kmart across the street from the Grove. So you know, nothing sacred anymore. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. <laughs> my my mom when she came to hollywood in 47 took there used to be a shopping center called town and country on that lot but uh but yeah there was i've got a picture that my mom took in 47 whatever wow it was. all right uh shall we get into the main feature it's time for the main feature do murder and calm go together Calm and Murder? <laughs> the Ghost and Mr. Chicken, starring Don Knotts, the 1966 uh, horror comedy film from Universal Pictures, who uh, also, of course, did the Universal Monsters films, which we did a show about uh, mm-hmm. in you know the 30s and 40s. And it was neat because they did shoot it on Universal. They shot, I didn't realize that street was called Colonial Street. I had no idea uh, that that's what they called it. I've seen that house 
the uh, that house in a lot of different shows, and uh, I see I, we watch Adam Twelve all the time too. We're in Adam mm. Twelve and Rockford Files. We watch them constantly, and that house shows up so many times in so many episodes. And next to that house is the Munsters' house, and you can't see it in there because right. because it was popular, I think, at the time, and uh, and so they used big hedges to to hide it. But the Munsters' house is on right next door to that uh, Ghost of Mister Chicken house. And they were shooting '66, I believe they were shooting uh, uh, monsters. And uh, but that that street ended up and showing up in um, God. It was uh, was it was well most probably most completely and Desperate Housewives. They used it as Wisteria Lane. Leave it to Beaver. The Burbs was another one that they used it for almost in its entirety. And the plot of the film is there's a mansion called uh, an abandoned mansion called the Simmons Mansion. That's what we're talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, on Desperate Housewives, I believe the same house that's used as the mansion was Gabrielle Solis's house on Desperate okay. Housewives. That's what I read. Uh, it was also the Dowd house in Harvey, which was you know 16 years earlier mm-hmm. than than this film. There was a cool house, and I think it's still there. Um, last time I was at the Universal tour, uh, I, uh, I'm pretty sure I took a picture of it. And I think it's still there. I know the Munster's house certainly is. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like it used to, but, uh, uh, but it is still there. Most of the houses are still on that street. That's kind of cool. That's cool. To- you know, and, and speaking of the Munsters and, and, uh, and, uh, the Adams family as well, uh, I thought it was interesting. The music reminded me a lot of the Adams family. And then of course... I find out that it was written the the score for Mr. the Ghost of Mr. Chicken was written by Vic Mizzy, uh, the famous mm-hmm. television scorer who wrote the theme for the Adams Family, uh, right. and also Green, and also Green Acres. So there you go. That's kind of explains the and and this is of that era as well. And, so yeah, he sense. did. Um, he did the he did the Munsters Go Home uh, movie soundtrack too. Oh, really? And uh, and also, well, he, then he scored. Uh, the rest of the Don Knotts movies, you know, like the uh, Incredible Mr. Limpet and the Reluctant mm-hmm. Astronaut, and um, and uh, there was one other thing that he did. I forget what. Oh, oh, of course, Don't Make Waves, the Sharon Tate movie. Oh uh, wow! She, she hangs on the beach, and that's another one of those poppy soundtracks. You know, it's just it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. Not and, the last uh, Helter Skelter reference we're gonna have today. Oh, and also, I didn't know this, but there was – this is way before your time. But in the early 60s, there used to be a PSA that they uh, – on television about jaywalking for kids mm. to not jaywalk. And it said – it was a jingle. And uh, Vic Mizzy wrote it and his daughter sang it. But it, oh, went, wow. you know, it went, don't cross this street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Uh, <laughs> keep your eyes open and then wait <laughs> until the light turns green. So it's look and wait. Yeah. So it was because I remember they when they gave us in grade school, they gave them these things. Stop, look, wait. Uh, things yeah. Look both to ways. Tack yeah. on our doors and stuff. But um, but yeah, that was a that's a catchy tune. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. <laughs> written by Vic Mizzy. And he died and, in uh, Bel Air. <laughs> don't go in the Simmons Mansion in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the night. Like Don you Knotts know, does. When he does, when they open up that scene with Don Knotts driving and that, that cool music, it is just so perfect. And he's driving know? an Edsel. Like, yeah. Because he's <laughs> a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, what is it, xylophone music or something that they use a lot of in this, I think. Um, but in it's organ, just, I it's think got, there's organ stuff and yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the Edsel, I think it was a it was a choice, wasn't it? Yeah, a definite choice. Yeah, because that was considered a bomb, one of the greatest bombs mm-hmm. in the history of 
automotive history. Um, so people that don't know, first of all, if you haven't seen uh, The Ghost of Mr. Chicken starring Don Knotts, uh, you can pause this and go rent it because you can rent it anywhere right now for like four bucks. I did. It was on Amazon, but it's on YouTube and iTunes and wherever you rent movies at. Um, and the plot of it is, though, I'm giving you a second to pause and go watch it is uh, Don Knotts plays a guy named Luther who's kind of a loser and he's a typesetter for the town newspaper that where he lives uh, but he really wants to be a reporter but nobody takes him seriously everybody talks down to him um, and there's a famous abandoned mansion in town called the Simmons Mansion which had been the site of a gruesome murder uh, where a husband supposedly supposedly killed his wife and then himself and now it's the 20th anniversary of the murders and uh, is it their son? Who's returned? Nephew. Nephew. The nephew has returned. He's wealthy. He owns that mansion. He's going to tear it down and kind of take all its secrets with it when he does it. And so uh, Don Knotts, as Luther, volunteers to, to go in at midnight to this house um, and to get a story, basically, for the newspaper. And that is – and hijinks. Hijinks ensue. Right, right. It was – this is only a 17-day shoot. In right. uh, in sixty six, I mean that's crazy. You don't think they can kick out something that we're still watching fifty plus <laughs> years later? Yeah, and they they killed it in three weeks, less than three weeks. And, and uh, he hired um, Alan Rafkin as the director, who um, had directed a bunch of um, who had directed on the Andy Griffith Show, which Don Knotts, of course, was in and was coming out of when he when he did this movie. And part of the reason he picked Rafkin was because he was an efficient television director and they knew we have to get this done in 17 days. That's mm -hmm. who you hire to do that. Um, and then Rafkin went on to direct Knotts in The Shakiest Gun in the West, um, which had the same writing team as this one, and also How to Frame a Fig. So Rafkin did three Knotts movies as director. Yeah, 17 days is fast. If you yeah, when I mean if you look at the down the list of character actors that are in this, they're all like so many of them are in those movies. How right. to Frame a Fig, the Reluctant Astronaut, and there's so there's so many, and there's so many interesting like connections to different productions. You know, the guy that did the hair was the guy that did the hair on I think Soylent Green, and you know, I mean, it's just like amazing connections. It was like all full of like journeyman actors and writers and director who yeah. were in the middle of Hollywood at that time and did everything. And they all looked like they were 75 and they were all like in their 40s <laughs> right. or 30s, you know. But right. And they all died at 75. <laughs> <laughs> but they did. But some of them, I mean, there's, there's, yeah. But we, we actually addressed a couple of those on, uh, on our Bewitched episode, too, a couple of those character actors. But, right. um, but I guess they, they originally it was called Running Scared. And mm -hmm. I, was, I was listening to a documentary with Don Knotts. And when he started, you know, he was a ventriloquist when he first started. And, uh, and he, you know, he's trying to play it sort of straight at, as it was. And then mm -hmm. he developed that kind of nervous character. And he tried it out with some, I forget who it was that said, no, don't do that. And he was on the Gary Moore show and he gave it a shot saying, you know, he just did that whole kind of falling apart, nervous, shaking kind of thing. And they right. really responded to that. And of course he went with it too. And it was always, it was really a lot of his act from that point forward. I mean, I don't think he did any of that in, in three's company, but, uh, mm, but he certainly, yeah. um, took advantage of. And supposedly he was not like that in real life at all. He was kind of a quiet guy. He was a bit of a ladies yeah. man. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so not, he was very against his type. In fact, I think originally he was supposed to be the straight man in the Andy Griffith show. And Andy Griffith was yeah, supposed to be the comedy, that. and then by the second episode, Andy Griffith was like, "It's got to be the other way around." 
I got to be mm-hmm. the straight man and he's got to be the funny one. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that worked. Uh, yeah, obviously it worked because he won what you said, five Emmys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think he won like two more coming back for guest appearances. It's crazy how beloved mm-hmm. that that um, that character was uh, the, the iconic Barney Fife character from uh, Andy Griffith show. Um, I also going back to the title, I thought it's interesting. They went with the ghost and Mr. Chicken, which apparently is a riff on the ghost and Mrs. Muir. Mm-hmm. But that was yeah. this was two decades later. I just can't believe that that movie was still such a well-known hit that they would do a callback. Well, it was a good enough that. hit to start a TV series a couple of years after this, so they must have, you know, it must oh, have been considered a classic. That's but a good it, point. I forget what year the TV show Ghost and Mrs. Muir came about, which was yeah. one of the stars of, of Ghost and Mr. Chicken was in. Uh, uh, Rita Shaw, the the, Mrs., mm. the banker's wife, uh, mm. she was one of the stars of, of the Ghost and Mrs. Muir. But yeah, no, you're right. It, it's interesting. You wouldn't think that that movie had the longevity to have done that, but um, yeah. you know, but it did. I, I loved, in addition to the music, too, the the classic kind of horror sound effects tropes. Uh, the hooting mm-hmm. owl as he's walking up to the house. The cat screeching. Uh, you know, thunder right on cue. Uh, yeah, all, you know the organ music, all of that. I just thought was really funny. Did we talk about this in the in our Universal Monsters uh, episode about the the called the Castle Thunder? Did you no, we I don't talk think about so. That? No, it's it's it was the thunder. They they invented this thunder sound effect for Frankenstein, I guess the original mm-hmm. Frankenstein, and it ended up showing up in like gajillions of programs and commercials. I mean, they even used it in Star Wars at one point. And, wow. um, it's just this classic thunder that I probably must not have been you know trademarked or copyrighted, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know if they still use it today, but it's it's you know it's iconic. Like you said, it's in the Munsters. I think it always opened up. I think the Munsters after the theme song with some of that thunder and mm. uh it's just a it was called the castle thunder uh, wow. it was built in, it was made in 1931 and disney used it in a lot of films too mm-hmm. so it must have been free it almost becomes like <laughs> it almost becomes like the uh, the stand-in sound for thunder that we know that thunder sounds like in movies i think that's what Even i think it's exactly really what like it is yeah life. yeah yeah right. Um, right what was your what was your favorite like gag in the movie or bit well, it's got to be the organ playing, certainly. When he, the when bloody he was, fingerprints uh, on the organ. Yeah, yeah. It's got that whole that whole haunted house sort of thing was was my favorite. It's just like mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's looked like the haunted mansion, and right. uh, which was several years before the haunted mansion. Well, a few anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's it. What about yourself? Uh, I love the elevator gag. The oh, elevator yeah. can't, can't stop on the right floor. It keeps going over overshooting or undershooting, and he's just finally just step up, step up. Yeah. <laughs> and then he falls into it, you know, when he goes to leave. Um, and I also I loved the Attaboy shout, the running gag of the uh-huh. Attaboy. Attaboy Luther. I thought that was hilarious. It almost I don't know. It almost reminded me of like a running gag that you would have seen in like peak like Adam Sandler or Chris Farley stuff from like the nineties. You know what I mean? Like a they running used it. line. I think they used it. They said, I read that they used it in Kingpin at some. I don't. Oh, I don't really? remember the movie that well enough. But Maybe that's said what I'm thinking of too, King. and I just don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I guess it was the guy who said that was <laughs> um, was one of the writers. Yeah, it was Everett. It was Everett Greenbaum, um, who wrote it. He was uh, he was writing partners with Jim Fritzell or Fritzel, Fritzel, uh, and they were writing partners also on, you know, they were one of the people, some of the people brought over from the Andy Griffith show. Um, they also wrote 35 episodes of MASH. 
uh, later on in their careers. So, so did you read about this Andy Griffith episode at all? The one that maybe inspired this movie? It, it, it couldn't have maybe. I watched it this afternoon. It was like almost it. You know, it was it was almost. Oh, really? The, it was almost the movie. Yeah. So was yeah. it was Andy Griffith, I think, that recommended that because because what happened was supposedly Andy Griffith had said early on in the run of the show that they were only going to do five seasons. So Don Knotts took that seriously. And that's why he left the Andy Griffith show when he did to go into films, because he thought, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next with my career, because he said at the beginning, this is only going to go for five seasons. Doesn't realize that Andy Griffith decided, oh, actually, I think I'm going to keep doing the show. And by then, Don had already decided to leave. And so I believe it was Andy Griffith that recommended that he, when Don Knotts was trying to figure out what movie to do, Griffith was like, well, you should, why don't you try doing something like that episode of our show that we did? Mm-hmm. And but yeah, no, I didn't was, watch I mean, it. I, I knew that... Um, that Knotts brought Andy Griffith in as an uncredited writer uh, on the movie. Oh. So mm. one of the other consulted with the other. Uh, mm. But in, in the Andy Griffith episode, Opie and his, and his friend hit a baseball into this old mansion or this old you know, decrepit house. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't have the nerve to go into it because they went up to the door and they heard this woo on the inside. Mm. So they ran away and they went back. Opie told, you know, Andy Griffith that uh, this place is haunted. And Barney was there and saying, oh, that's, you know, that's silly. Nobody <laughs> believes in ghosts. And then Andy Griffith kind of smirked and says, well, Barney, why don't you go out there and get it yourself? And there's the the wide eyed mm-hmm. Don Knotts look. <laughs> and they go into the thing and there's there's a. Um, you know, it's all the cobweb. It looks, it could be the same set in black and white. And uh, and wow. the, the cobwebs everywhere. And they get to a fireplace with a painting on it. And the painting mm. has eyes that move back and forth. And there's a, there's, a, there's it, it, supposedly there was a, I don't know if it was ever a murder in there, but there's an axe and the axe flies around in this episode, wow. you know, and then they, they, they run, they run away. You know, it was him and Jim neighbors that went in first and they went back with Andy Griffith. And uh, and uh, the whole point was they were chasing out a bootlegger that was living in the basement that was trying to they had a still going on and uh, in the basement um, uh. Uh, making booze. And uh, so they were trying to scare people away so they could keep their still going in the basement. But right. one of the bootleggers is Hal Smith, Otis the Drunk from Andy Griffith, who is the guy who gets beamed in the head at the beginning of Mr. Chicken. He's like the op- he's the first person that shows up in the movie. He isn't yeah. even billed. And mm-hmm. um, and he played he played Otis the Drunk constantly on Andy Griffith. And he ended up being drunk in this movie and thrown into jail in this movie, just like he did in Andy Griffith. So it was like a lot of mirrored uh uh, plots to that to that episode but uh, right. for sure but it was it it was just it hope summers also was another actor that was brought over from andy griffith that was in this so yeah. they had the director the two writers and at least two actors probably more from the andy oh, griffith show I mean, probably many more, more. Yeah. um because there was like they had to do like a whole town of people basically there were so many actors in this movie <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they all lived down the street, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Don Knotts, um, he, of course, most famous for playing um, uh, Barney Fife, um, but he was also Ralph Furley in the, the, the second half of the run of Three's Company, um, the, the landlord. And uh, he was also the star of one of my favorite films of his is The Incredible Mr. Limpet, uh, which was mm-hmm. made a couple years before this where he plays an, an animated fish. Uh, I loved that movie when I was a little kid. 
And then we talked about this guy in an earlier episode. I don't know if it was a, one of our main shows or if it was a Patreon show, but in World War II, he served as, as he was entertainment to, for the troops, basically. He had a comedy duo act uh, with another actor named Al Checo or Checho. Um, who uh, would appear in multiple films of his in uncredited roles. Incredible Mr. Limpet was the first movie that that this Al Checo appeared in, who was you know his for- Don Knotts's former comedy partner in World War II, and then he appeared um, again in this movie, and he appeared in several other uh, of his films, always you know usually uncredited. Um, but Al Checo was wild because um, his wife tragically died when she was young. They'd only been married a few years. And he, I don't think, ever remarried, didn't have any descendants. And he lived in the old age, and he um, willed his house in the L.A. area to Providence St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank when he passed away. He died in 2015, and the house was donated uh, to that hospital, kind of, I think, kind of in her honor, his wife's honor. So kind of kept the candle burning for her for decades, you know, after she passed away, tragically. Mm -hmm, So. mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was in a Patreon episode because I remember the story. It was an obituary story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's sad. I also thought it was interesting. Don Knotts's mother ran a boarding house when he was a kid, and his character lives in a boarding house in Mister Chicken. I don't know if there's yeah. a connection there. If that idea came from his own life, boarding houses are certainly a thing of the past. That's for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, he kept working pretty much right up until he died. Uh, he died on February twenty fourth, two thousand six. Uh, supposedly kind of issues related to lung cancer and his grave marker is amazing. It's like one of the best celebrity grave markers ever. It's got a bunch of likenesses of his famous characters on it. It's really well done. Including Luther. They, uh, they have him doing oh, really? his karate, his karate, uh, <laughs> pose. <right>. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's yeah, also a cool. really nice statue of him, uh, in his hometown of Morgantown, West Virginia in front of a, a theater. Oh yeah. In honor of him. It's a really good one. So there's a lot of really bad celebrity statues, but that's a good one. <laughs> As he we know. was um he yeah he had what he was like really quite ill wasn't he? he had they say he had pneumonia macular degeneration i mean it's really it's sad when somebody well you said he was kind of serious too i yeah, more serious than you'd expect him to be yeah uh, you want he, you want somebody like that to be pulling faces all, all the time <laughs> you know that's just the way he is he had a degenerative muscle issue and that caused his eyes to kind of not droop a little bit so he stopped doing uh, like appearances on on screen, but he would he did a lot of voice acting the last years of his life. So the the opening scene, um, Calver Weems, who is Hal Smith, Otis the drunk, uh, gets beamed on the head by uh, by Hope Summers. Actually, she's not the one that hits him on the head. She sees that's right. She's up in the second the floor head. window and sees yeah. some unseen person uh, with a board. Right. Bang. <laughs> right on the head. That yeah. was, that, and she's just maniacally screaming. I love that. It's <laughs> so over the top. And um, every one of these actors, you could, you could, Munsters, Adam 12, Bewitched, Green Acres, every single one of these actors have been on the shows. Right. Uh, but she played one of the creepy uh, satanic neighbors in Rosemary's baby that hmm. were raising, you know, Rosemary to have this baby, the devil's baby, ultimately. But yeah, I just watched her scene today. And she's like, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of, Rosemary. Honest and truly, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, she, but that was the whole fun of those all those old people that uh, in Rosemary's baby, who probably were all in this movie too. <laughs> but um, she, but also she was another uh, iconic uh, bit of television history. She was the voice of Mrs. Butter worth syrup 
on the TV commercials. Wow. So she didn't even get credited in the movie. You know, I, was, I had to do like a dive to find out who, who her name, what her name was. But she was, yeah, she, then it turns out she was uh, Mrs. Butterworth. So wow. um, I thought that was kind of cool. Butterworth syrup. There's nothing to be afraid of. No. Rosemary. <laughs> and she died in uh, Woodland Hills on June 22nd in 1979. She was 77 years old. Hmm. But it's funny, but they, you know, because they, yeah, because Don Knotts, the whole point was he hears her scream, murder, murder, murder. And then at the same time, Don Notch just happens to be driving by in his loser Ford Edsel. And, and he wants desperately like to be a reporter. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So he, so he thinks he's like witnessed he's, a murder and he thinks the guy's yeah. dead. And then it turns out the guy's only injured. But he's already gone back and told everybody that he witnessed a murder. And then he gets laughed at when the guy shows up. Bang. Right on the head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, there, that's, a, that's one of the gags I love. I love that uh, when she says that all the time. That makes me laugh. Uh, and the, the Bonnie Amy one too, but we'll talk about that in a, yeah. in a little bit. Now I was just going to say how how uh, how in the '60s alcoholism was really funny. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean the Andy Griffith thing with the still in the basement, and they're just pounding you know bottles you know directly out of the bottle, and you remember <laughs> Granny on the Beverly Hillbillies is always drinking moonshine. Remember North by Northwest, and this is not the last time we'll mention that movie. Uh, when he gets the he's fighting the DUI charge, Cary Grant is. After they got him drunk and tried to kill him, and he, yeah. and his mom goes some something like just pay the five dollars. <laughs> <So like, laughs> like, wow, be done with it. <laughs> yeah. So that you know, Hope Hope Summers was a bit of television history. So now the next person that comes up as far as appearance in the movie would be um, Ollie Ollie Weaver. Yeah. Who was uh, probably the handsome. Uh, sort of foil of uh of uh right. of luther in the movie the the successful writer is very flashy has the beautiful girlfriend has everything luther wants has yeah. the job luther wants has the girl luther wants has probably the looks that luther wants uh played by uh, skip homeyer who uh was the child actor uh who who wasn't a child star but started out as a child actor and was able to transition into adulthood adult acting um he did, and like all these guys, he was in everything, uh, but he did a lot of westerns and war stuff. But he was uh, he was in the Rifleman, Wagon Train, Bonanza. It's like the whole run. It's like if you know how to handle like a six shooter and can ride a horse, and you're an actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to work in the 60s. Uh, he was also uh, play had two roles in the original Star Trek series, so he's big with Trekkie fans. Um, and he was in uh, the film The Gunfighter with Gregory Peck. And, of course... There's a Helter Skelter connection mm -hmm. because he played the Manson trial judge in the 1976 Helter Skelter TV movie that we did a whole episode about. Right. Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, yeah. Lan Mannix, Adam's family. He said, all everyone <laughs> right. tick, tick, tick. Are you in that? Sure. I was in there. I got my $250 <laughs> appearance, you know, whatever. Right. But, uh, but yeah, they, those people kicked it out. All of those, all those episodic television and uh, and yeah, Helter Skelter, Judge Older. He was um, that surprised me. In fact, I think that uh, have how long have we been doing this podcast? Because I seem to recall him being I think we're coming part up on of, four years. Okay, because he was one of the obituaries we mentioned in 2017. I think I know he came up before. Oh no, it must have been the Helter Skelter episode. That's right. That must yeah. have been it. Because we yeah. So it um, but yeah. So he was uh, in our world. A, uh, an amazing actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Um, he passed away. Uh, Skip passed away on uh, June twenty fifth, twenty seventeen. He was eighty six, and it was uh, spinal myelopathy, which is a neurological situation uh, related to the spinal cord. I don't know. Eighty six to make it to eighty six and have some shit like that. Yeah. So uh, R.I.P. Ollie Weaver. R.I.P. Skip. Formerly Skip. So the next guy that shows up in the it was Dick Sargent, and we covered him. Of course. Quite a bit in the Bewitched yeah. episode. Yeah, um, Dick Sargent and Sandra Gould, who was uh, also in, uh, in, of course, who played Gladys Kravitz in Bewitched. There were two big Bewitched mm-hmm. actors in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I love I love the, the ladies, uh, the psychic occult society of Rachel group, the ladies with their little banner that show up at the house and the, uh, the one going, the cosmic vibrations. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. That is, that, that... <laughs> <laughs> the cosmic vibrations. <laughs> I love it. Rita Shaw, she is the best. Yeah, we prefer, we call them manifestations. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, but, so Dick uh, Sargent played uh, Luther's boss and the editor of the newspaper yeah. that he works for. And, of course, Dick Sargent was the second Darren Stevens on Bewitched. And I liked him in this movie because he was – well, he was he was your standard like, sort of Darren Stevens dickhead. You know, he had that kind of dicky personality. But when it came to the point where, you know, Luther stayed one night in the house – and saw all the horrible haunting things mm-hmm. and talked to everyone about it. And when the owner of the house said, that's nonsense, I'm going to sue you for slander. Yeah. Um, Dick Sargent stood by him, said, is Luther, did that happen to you? Yes, it did. Okay, we stand here then. You know, so I thought that yep. was that was a, a nice moment that I wasn't yeah, expecting. Yeah, he had his back. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, we all know Dick Sargent, uh, you know, he came out as gay in 1991 he and Elizabeth Montgomery, his co-star, hosted co-grand marshal the Gay Pride Parade in West Hollywood, and uh, and he died like three years later. Wow, a prostate cancer. Yeah, at uh, July eighth, ninety four, and he was sixty four years old. Rest in peace, Dick Sargent. Again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now Hal again. Smith. Again, we talked about that briefly. The the Otis, who played Otis the drunk on Andy Griffith. Mm-hmm. He he had a huge career as a voice man he did like he was on the flintstones he was he did winnie the pooh he did uh, uh a quick draw mcgraw and huckleberry hound no classic hanna-barbera cartoons yeah iconic and, characters um, and post 1967 goofy uh for the disney movies huh. when the original goofy died so uh so he was quite a success now I found this i never heard about this before but otis hal smith who i call him otis but his name was uh was his name in the movie? Charlie uh, Calver Weems. I love that. But uh, he was in a, show, a movie called Once Upon a Girl. And I've got to read this. It was a 1976 American live action adult animated fantasy comedy pornographic film <laughs> written and produced by and directed by John, Don Jurek. Jurwick. It is animated by a group of animators who had worked for Disney and Hanna-Barbera. Now, it was about a lewd old lady claiming to be Mother Goose, who was Hal Smith, who was, you know, Calver Weems, <laughs> has been put on trial for obscenity obscenity due to yelling the tr- telling the true versions of famous fairy tales. Her evidence is presented as a collection of pornographic animated shorts, uh, <laughs> Jack and the Beanstalk, Cinderella, and Little Red Riding Hood. So um, I'd love to see that, actually. That's probably they probably broadcast on TV nowadays, you know, and it was considered <laughs> pornography back then. But, um, 
But yeah. So uh, so he was, uh, Hal Smith died in his home in Santa Monica, uh, listening to his favorite radio show on January 28th, 1994. He was 77. Uh-huh. What was his favorite radio show in 1994? It wasn't anything that I found interesting enough to remember. <laughs> I mentioned was it like an old show it. that he had tapes of or what was the i wonder no 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 it the, was a proper radio show now you're gonna make radio me look show. for it yeah you're gonna make me look for it now all it says is he was listening to his nightly drama hour on radio what that's what Who it was says doing radio dramas in the 90s well i don't know i mean i know that i know that the brits do that that's still a big deal there but but he did die like two weeks before the North, northridge earthquake Okay, who appears next? In the movie, uh, Luther goes to the police department to report that he'd seen a murder. And, you know, he thought he had by this, you know, getting hit on the head with a, or reporting a murder that he saw the yeah. body and ended up being this drunk guy. Uh, and so everyone's making fun of him. And uh, as he was heading back, then he headed back to his home, the, the boarding house where he was living. Cruelly, cruelly living with uh, the guy who plays Ollie, the nasty one, who is not, mm-hmm. you know, not very nice to him. Yeah, but uh, it was funny. They were mocking him. They were making fun of him about seeing Mr. Murder, Mr. Scoop. To his face, and he he says, "Why don't you run up an alley and holler fish?" That was his insult to those guys. <laughs> like, it had to be an inside joke of some sort. But <laughs> what, what a random. Why don't you thing. run up an alley and holler fish? <laughs> but he he, he he lived in the, the Natalie Miller boarding house and Natalie Miller was Lorene Tuttle, who I love that. It's like if I had a if I had a kid, a daughter, I would name her Lorene just to keep that name alive. Yes, <laughs> I love that name. I love that name so much. And um, and she was uh, she'd been in a million things again, a ton of TV shows. But she was in uh, Don't Bother to Knock and Niagara with Marilyn. She was uh, with Cary Grant in Mr. Blanding Bills a Dream House. She was the sheriff's wife in Psycho, uh, Walking Tall. She played a nurse on the the groundbreaking uh, Julia show with Diane Carroll, the first African-American woman to uh, 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 have a, a show based around her. And she was also an acting teacher. And she taught Red Skelton, Orson Welles, Milton Berle, Steve Allen, and Jane Meadows. And her daughter, Barbara, was married to John Williams, the composer. Wow. So it's like, you know, so she, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of ticking a lot of boxes, but yeah. Yeah. She, her daughter, her daughter died quite young, but mm. they were, I think she died in like 75 or something like that, but uh, uh, she was married to John Williams, Star Wars. We talked about him of course, and Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark and Superman and uh, yeah. just uh, Jaws. I mean, tons of uh, right. uh, Lost in Space theme song, which a few of these actors end up showing up on <laughs> Valley of the Dolls. So anyway. But Lorene Tuttle died in Encino on May 28th, 1986. She was 78 years old. And then mm. staying with that theme, there were a couple of these, those older women actresses that were there. One was called Jesslyn Fax. She played one of the two competitive ladies. You know, they were saying her eyes were blue. I heard they were black. Well, they were blue mm. and black. And, you know, <laughs> I pay $100. I pay $150, you know, like that sort of thing. But she was on, she was, of course, on uh, uh, Andy Griffith's show. And she was in Rear Window, and she was in Kiss Me Deadly. Wait, who was she in and, Rear Window? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, there's like a dozen actors in that whole film. Let's see. Rear Window was what year? Um, 54. Thank you. Wow. It's my favorite movie. Going, going, going. Is it really Rear Window is your favorite? Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, rear window, Miss Hearing Aid. Okay, oh, that comes she right the, up she's to the Miss sculptor. Hearing Aid. Okay, that's how I thought. That's the only person I could think of that she could probably be. So yeah, she's um, Miss Hearing Aid is the the sculptor who makes kind of weird oh, sculptures down on the first okay. floor of the place. Right, I see yeah. her now. And she's the one that gets yelled at um, at one point by the killer when she tries to tell him how to um, how to tend his garden, and he tells her to shut up. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Oh, it's so good. But it's funny. One thing about her that's that's funny-er-ish is that uh, back in 2006, there was this rumor going on online. She was in North by Northwest. She shows up in that movie. People were saying that she, that her character was actually Alfred Hitchcock in drag in North by Northwest. There's this big like internet debate about that. that really? Um, so yeah, as a second cameo in the film that mm. Alfred Hitchcock mm. was sort of, because she had those kind of, she had that kind of, features that kind of shape towards yeah. you know when that when that came out so um so yeah but uh, she ended up she died in hollywood in 1975 she was 82 years old so that made her you know like 70 when they made the movie or something to that something like that yeah and um like like a lot of them were but it was neat that they got we talked about this um uh, in our Patreon episode about how, like, Angela Lansbury would always hire these people. There's a few of these people showed up in Murder, She Wrote, too. These older actors Lansbury would put in in Murder, She Wrote specifically because they were older and not getting work anymore. She wanted them to get their whatever, their their acting credits so they could keep their pension or whatever it was, their union yeah. coverage is going. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, that's um, great. So, Yeah. So she showed, as I mentioned, she died in uh, 75. She was 82 years old. Now, her partner in the movie, the, the dark hair, uh, the white haired lady, her name was Nydia Westman. And she she's the one that had the famous line that was said, you know, four times through the movie, I think, or five times. They even used Bon Ami when referring to <laughs> the organ, the haunted organ with the bloodstained fingertips yeah. on it and they uh, on the ivory. And she they tried they tried everything to clean up that blood. And her line was and they even used Bon Ami, which it's still I think they still sell Bon Ami as a cleanser. It's like Ajax. It's like Comet cleanser. Mm. And, uh, and Bon Ami was a big thing. And supposedly uh, Don Knotts even went to Bon Ami, like the company, and asked permission to reference it in the film since it got so many references. And I guess it was, grant, it was granted the okay to use it. Yeah. I guess it's portraying it in a positive light because she's saying they even yeah. used it. That means it's like the best. Yeah. So, uh, so Nydia Westman, of course, again, Munsters, Adam's Family, Bewitched, Adam 12, Reluctant to act, Astronaut. And then she was in that weird movie with Anne margaret called the swinger where she was she played this like columnist and she was writing these really racy stories about herself and nobody believed it was really her like a young young sexy woman and she's talking about all her nightclubs and hanging out with all the rich playboys and stuff and it was just kind of a it's kind of a racy movie for for the time and she was i think that might have been her last uh last performance was in that movie hmm. and uh and nydia wish nydia Nydia Westman, you know, again, vaudeville, that whole bit. Yeah, she's got a huge, I mean, she's got huge credits, but again, that, yeah. it's all the stuff that, that, that Perry Mason, Adam's family, be with. <laughs> anyway, so Nydia Westman died in uh, May 23rd of 1970 in Burbank of cancer. So, um, but she was the other little competitive lady. I love, I love those two. They were, they were good, uh, they good, good banter with each other. Like, yeah. Being an agent back then must have been nuts. With all these character actors. 
<laughs> just the, yeah. just just volume it's all about number just it's a numbers game just get as many of them into as many shows every week as possible every you know what i mean just constantly bouncing yeah. around between sitcoms uh it's really wild to see all these these actors how many they all they all were in the same shows we come across yeah. this you know time and time again we did when the bewitched episode we did same thing uh yeah. yeah being an agent back then for these types of actors must have just been nuts just a grind you know and they all looked like they were a hundred back then. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> it was just, Lots of drinking and smoking. <laughs> smoking in old clothes too. I mean, that has mm. a lot to do with the wardrobe. And yeah. uh, and but I mean, like, uh, what's his face? You know, we talked about him on the uh, on the uh, Beverly Hillbillies podcast. Sam Drucker or Green Acres. You know, he was the old guy that ran the general store on those uh, shows. And there were crossovers: Petticoat Junction and Green Acres and Beverly Hillbillies. But he again, he looked like he was seventy back in the sixties, and he was only <laughs> right. like forty or something. Yeah. So yeah, that's funny. But uh, so so yeah, you're right. That would have been interesting. It would have been interesting to be around a waiting room in one of those agencies and seeing all those. I know you. I, you're the guy right. oh, i know you i know you every day just rolling in yeah. yeah uh so that brings us to joan staley uh who i is my favorite person to uh read up on honestly on this, yeah. on this whole thing she's very interesting she's the romantic lead uh in this that uh luther is competing to, to win over um and she uh, she was an accomplished musician as a kid. She played, I think, the violin. And she was in the Junior Symphony at the Hollywood Bowl as a kid, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and then as an adult, she was Playboy, uh, Playboy's uh, Miss November 1958. Uh, it was a very tasteful photo shoot. I had to look it up for historical reasons, you know, make sure I, I saw course. everything. Um, for the articles. And they were very nice. It was done by a live photographer who approached her and asked if she would be interested. And she said, yes. Yeah. So it was very tastefully done. Um, she had recurring roles on the Tab Hunter show, speaking of Tab Hunter, and uh, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet and 77 Sunset Strip. I think the final season she played a secretary on it. Um, and then she had big parts or bit parts in uh, Cape Fear with uh, Mitchum. And she got to slap Elvis in Roustabout, his 16th movie. Um, and she claimed later that it was a real slap because Elvis didn't want her to fake it. He didn't want her to pull up. He wanted to really smack him. And so when you hear that slap in that movie, that's not a sound effect. That's really her smacking Elvis in the face. And I also thought it was interesting. This is the same movie Elvis got injured uh, for real in the face because he did insist on doing his own stunts. And uh, there was a uh, supposedly during a fight with a group of stuntmen, one of them kind of flips and the, the guy's heel caught him in the face and gave him oh, a wow. gash. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's the story of the scar that he had over his eye or if it's one of the stories or if it's one of the scars he got because there's another version of events where he got a scar over his eye from chicken pox or another one where he fell as a kid and hit a table and got a scar. So I don't know if this is supposed to be that scar, if it's a different injury. But yeah, that's according to a relative of his who was supposedly on set that day and saw it. Of course, everybody was freaking out. Elvis has got blood streaming down his face. Yeah. But yeah. Um, And then there was another Elvis connection. Uh, Joan Staley did some backup singing for Sun Records in Memphis. Uh, she, her first husband that she married was a, a film uh, director in Tennessee, in Memphis, and uh, so she did some backup singing for Sun Records, of course, which was Elvis's label. 
Wow. So I did thought she was ever really sing on an Elvis record, do you know? I don't, they didn't mention that she had, so I think they probably would have mentioned if she had done that, but she did back up at Sun Records, so I don't know what song. That's she, really interesting. It's not on. that big of a place, you know? No. It was. <laughs> really. Um, That's, uh, interesting, too. She was uh, blonde in real life, but they made her wear a brunette wig in The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, uh, supposedly because she was too sexy as a blonde. <laughs> I mean, she was I a find it interesting that they even hired a Playboy model to be in this movie. Because I mean, they, there are some movie, there are pictures. I mean, I did a quick Google and I saw a couple with their, you know, there was straight. They were the boys were straight out there. I mean, that was they were there. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't like you said. There, there, there was a there was they were hidden a little bit. It was kind of a peekaboo thing, but they were yeah. certainly there in '58. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's interesting to me that they hired her like that. You know. You would think that would blacklist people for from movies. She had a good career. Uh, um, her career was yeah. only curtailed. She injured her horse. Or she injured her horse. She injured her back riding a horse in a film the same a, year. <laughs> the same that was year. a different movie, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really did get her blacklisted. That's enough. Uh, no, she uh, she injured her back riding a horse in uh, I think shooting a western, uh, and that kind of curtailed her career. Uh, the same that happened the same year that she shot uh, that she did this movie. Um, and mm. she said, interesting, an interview a couple years before this, in 64, she said, I've made a career of playing an undulating blonde in tight dresses. It isn't that I wanted that brassy sex pot image, but that's the image producers feel you project when you're, well, blonde and shapely. Also, when you've been in Playboy, I think, probably had an impact on that. Probably, yeah. It's it's funny. And also, during that time period, wigs were chic. You know, people, people wore mm. wigs all the time. Not as a... Yeah, they just, it was chic. There were some people that, you know, Troy and I comment that on a lot. Like, we're watching Rockford Files, and, you know, these women who we know have beautiful hair mm-hmm. end up with these monstrosities on their heads. It's like, because Alma's wig was not good in this movie. It no, always looked crooked to me. <laughs> it was terrible. It was so, a bad wig. So, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was pointedly that, that I guess they did that. They didn't, they didn't spend a whole lot of money on the, on no. the, uh, on the stylist for this one, but they they did have a hairstylist because I looked him up too. Mm. He's the guy that did soiling soiling green, I think, or something. But uh, uh, but yeah, so they. But anyway, but, I liked her in this movie. Very likable, although totally. you know a bit annoying too. I thought because mm. like she goes, let's have lunch, Luther, and then she makes him. You know, oh, I took the Stand seat. There. He's the only one. He's going to be done in a minute. And there's that guy sitting there. And he's got to stand, and she's like just talking like it's okay. And I was like, "Well, that was kind of shitty." <laughs> and then know? her like boyfriend shows up and steals the seat, and she doesn't do anything about it. Yeah, that was kind of yeah. Mean, oh, that's kind of mean seat. And then you go, "Oh, it's be a minute. You don't mind, do you, Luther?" It's like, yeah, no, right. that was kind was kind of kind of <laughs> shitty. I didn't like that. But oh, the other one I love the the other scene. Sorry, the other joke I like when. Um, at the beginning when she goes, love your print, Elma. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's in her dress. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says it to her again, love your print. <laughs> <laughs> Back in an era when, you know, women made a lot of their own dresses themselves. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they're talking, oh, I got the print. I got it at wherever, whatever store she got the, the fabric Belsons. at. Yeah, is that what it was? <laughs> you know. And then she you talks know, about just... how the, and then my niece has one that has a, you know, a big yellow stripe across the bosom. Yeah, <laughs> boobs. <laughs> yeah, that becomes a gag that gets repeated yeah. later. Um, Love your print, though. That's something I still use all the time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Joan Staley, really talented, multi-talented musician, actress, a comedian. Um, and she, uh, after she kind of quit acting or faded away from it, um, her and her second husband, who I think was an MCA executive, um, they started a talent management company and they wrapped Bob Barker and Mel Torme among others 
And I think her daughter now runs the company and took over the family hmm. business, which is so they have a, a talent management business. Um, Joan Staley died on uh, November 24th, 2019. Uh, she was 79 and they said it was heart failure. So just God, I wish I would have got the opportunity to talk to these people. I really do. That yeah. would have been, um, that'd have been neat. Oh they're, yeah. They're that would have been nice. Around. Yeah. yeah. I, I met Don Knotts at one of those autograph shows one time too. And it's like, it was at that time where I had no appreciation for him when he was yeah. doing that three's company business. It was like, I, I found that character really, really not well he wasn't supposed to be likable that was the whole yeah. point but uh no i didn't he was really kind of smarmy i just didn't i didn't like it at all the bad toupee the really bad toupee and um but anyway as i said in retrospect i wish i'd have i'd, I'd been more attentive um next up phil phil ober who played nicholas yes. simmons i love this the, guy uh, the, the nephew of the uh, Mr. and Mrs. Simmons, who the murder-suicide in the original house, of the which villain. this is the 20th anniversary of the murders yes. in this movie. Yeah. Yes. And the villain, you're right, yeah. He's the villain, yeah. He wants to tear the house down to cover up its secrets, to cover up its its uh, tragic past. Uh, I thought this was great. Uh, speaking of, you know, Hitchcock, he was UN ambassador Lester Townsend in North by Northwest, the guy that gets killed with a knife in the back at the inside the UN building. Uh, and falls into Cary Grant's arms, and someone, of course, just happens to take a picture of him looking like he's the killer uh, when he wasn't, obviously. Um, and uh, I thought that's a great story in Hollywood, how they shot the exteriors of that film. They actually shot uh, an establishing shot showing Cary Grant running up the front steps of the UN building to go inside, and, of course, everything else was a set. Uh, and they did not have permission to film at the UN building so hitchcock and the camera operator hid in a in a van across the street and filmed from inside a van and had Cary grant you know go, go up and down those front steps and you can see real security guys out there look kind of looking around like they kind of knew something was up and i mean obviously they they must have noticed Cary grant <laughs> yeah i was gonna them, say right by them <laughs> um but that was a stolen shot that was a little hitchcock guerrilla filmmaking there they did not have permission to film at the un building interesting and so they just that. went they just went and stole it um and ironically philip ober uh then uh when he retired from acting he went into the u.s diplomatic service and uh worked at the u.s consul in puerto puerto vallarta mexico which would be hmm. a nice way to retire i think yeah, that wouldn't be so bad. I didn't realize he was married to Vivian Vance. That would surprise me. I love that story, too. He left. He was married to someone else, his first wife, when that happened, when he got together with her. Um, and I came across a... Um, he went on to be Vivian Vance's third husband, and she was his second wife. Of course, you know, Ethel Mertz from I Love Lucy. So when he left his first wife for her, it was a divorce scandal there in New York, because his wife, I think, was kind of a socialite, his first wife. And United Press reported uh, Mrs. Philip Ober, who her real name was Phyllis Roper, uh, his wife at the time, uh, charged in New York Supreme Court today that her husband, a star in the Broadway hit Mr. and Mrs. North, found so much after theater re relaxation in the apartment of Vivian Vance, blonde musical comedy singer, that he forgot to come home several nights. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, happens to everybody. <laughs> uh, and Vivian Vance, Vivian Vance then responded to that article saying it was ridiculous and that she was actually charging over rent and that it was platonic. <laughs> so oh, funny. Whatever. Well, apparently, uh, according to there's a guy I know, his name is Bose Hadley, and Bose Hadley wrote several books on um, Hollywood 
a lot of like kind of trashy stories tabloidy we'll say tabloidy stories and, you yeah. know he wrote a book about all the old hollywood lesbians and all the old hollywood gays and mm. and uh but he actually said in one interview that uh, he got was that uh vivian vance said that this, he was very abusive towards her said and uh. said she showed up to uh i love lucy with a black eye and uh. lucy said if you don't divorce him i'm going for him or something not not as in going for him romantically but right. if you don't divorce him i will something to yeah. that Fact. Right, right, right. Um, and they were married so for like just, 18 years, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sucks. That's really interesting because, you know, they um they did eventually get divorced uh, in 59, which was a couple years after I Love Lucy left the air. So maybe she finally took Lucille Ball's advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so Philip Ober passed away on uh, September 13th, 1982 from lung cancer. He was 80. So then, uh, then, so we we mentioned that Luther was a typesetter, and he they, he saw he saw him, the the murder victim in front of that Simmons house. Turns out that he was just a drunk guy, and he was getting all this <laughs> crap from his colleagues. So mm-hmm. then he's working as this typesetter, and they come down and they say, you know, Luther, we need a three inch filler for the paper. And they he goes to the little file file drawer, and you know, in the little three by five papers that have little human interest things. You know, they'll say that mm-hmm. some little girl, you know found a kite that she lost 10 years earlier or something like that <laughs> right so then this then the maintenance guy kind of leans over and says you know luther maybe you should think about doing something about that murder house it's coming up on the 20th anniversary and why don't you write your own filler and and you know luther luther is desperate to become a reporter right and that man who did it the character's name was uh was kelsey and mm. he uh, was actually Liam Redmond, who was a real Irishman, not one of those phony in right. movies and TV Irishmen that come with these crazy accents you don't recognize. But he was a genuine Irishman. Like died in Dublin, Irishman. Yeah. Yeah. Born in Limerick. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Uh, Liam Redmond, he uh, passed away on October 28, 1989. He was 76 after what was reported as a long period of ill health. He was in a movie called Night of the Demon in 57. And it's got a little bit of a, a bit of trivia because to me, because in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, the beginning of it is a science song called Science Fiction Double Feature that Richard O'Brien wrote and sang in the movie and mentioning, you know, Michael Rennie was ill the day the earth stood still. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and Tulsa and Flash Gordon was there and Silver Underwear. Claude Rains was the invisible man. Well, there's uh, there was there's a line in it that says Dana Andrews said prunes give him the runes. Uh, R-U-N-E-S. And uh, it's from Night of the Night of the Demon, which is based on a story casting the runes. It's sometimes known as passing the runes, hence the pun prunes. And it's like, uh, yeah, so it's it's just a pun on runes. Hmm. And that became the lyric to this song, which I always knew the lyric, but I didn't know where it came from. And it turns out this is Liam Redman's big biggest sort of role which was a really scary movie actually I, I watched about a half an hour of it and although it was 57 you know stop action or miniatures uh the demons and it was it was it was quite um it was it was good it was well done and so he plays the old irish uh guy who's the maintenance guy at the newspaper and then he tells luther the story about what happened at the house and how he was working at the house the night of the murder suicide and mentions that, you know, the whole thing and how it happened with Mrs. Simmons being stabbed in the throat 
and Mr. Simmons playing the tower, playing the organ in the tower and jumping out of the window and killing himself. Mm. Um, and that again, this is the 20th anniversary that's coming up. So Kelsey prompts him to write this article and the article's a hit. Everyone in the town is talking about it, even though it's a little three inch thing right. uh, on, in the paper. <laughs> But I love the fact that he, when he wrote it, it was the the horribleness and the awfulness of it will never be forgotten. It was, it was this <laughs> yes. three inch filler on the front page of the paper. I love that. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, it was it, that mentions the 20 year anniversary. So Dick Sargent suggests, hey, why don't we, you know, comp what he did say? We got it's the 20th anniversary of the murder suicide. We ought to capitalize on that. Imagine that capitalizing mm. on somebody else's horrible thing mm. would never <laughs> who, even consider that. Who would do that. such a thing? Terrible. So, uh, so anyway, they suggest Don Knotts because they knew he's ridiculous and he'd make, you know, he's, he's got a crazy imagination and he's really a coward. Yeah. And they more or less dare him to do it or they humiliate him into doing it because mm -hmm. uh, he didn't want to do it. But they said, come on, you're, you're not going to do it. I'm betting you're not going to do it. So he's like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And uh, and that was really good. That was really that whole him going up to the house on that night and the night before the anniversary, just to check the lay of the land. And yeah. uh, and uh, and he falls into the house through the coal chute and is walking <laughs> through this crazy haunted house. Everything happens. Everything happens. It's supposed to, you know, the creeping uh, feet and mm -hmm. uh, and he, I, I forget what it's. Some of the other, then he threw the book. The, phone, at the, the phonograph player starts playing on its own, like twenties, like Charleston swing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then the creaking stairs and the whole bit. And then he he throws a book at the bookshelf, and the bookshelf <laughs> opens up, and there's the twisting staircase that goes up to the organ loft. And he mm -hmm. goes up there, and then the organ start. The the clock chimes midnight in the distance, and the organ starts playing all by itself. And that was terrifying when <laughs> I was growing up. Terrifying. And then he runs down, and he sees the portrait of Mrs. Simmons with garden shears in her throat, and it's actually bleeding. Yeah. And then he runs out, and of course he's hysterical about all these things that happen. He writes the article about it, and the whole town is amazed that this that he survived this crazy night in the haunted house. They print it without even like checking any of the facts or anything. No fact checking. That well, that doesn't matter either today. But um, but they print it, and he becomes the head of the town, and they have a picnic in his honor, and and uh, and uh, celebrate it, and then. Oh, you know, but there was another fun thing. The guy that was directing the band, you know, that when they introduce him, that's um, his name is um, his name was Dick Wilson. He's the guy that played the drunk on Bewitched all the time. Mm. And, you know, he was always like and Samantha would disappear and he was just drunk and he like, ah, this stuff mm. is too strong. And then when he played Mr. Uh, Mr. Whipple in the Charmin uh, over 500 Charmin commercials. Yeah, uh, and he was just and he was just the band leader. He didn't even get a credit in the movie. You don't mm -hmm. really. He never gets a close up. But yeah. uh, but I, I heard him talk and I was like, oh yeah, that's that's certainly him. Because he had him. all that charm. He didn't need the credit. He had all that charmin money. God, commercials could you imagine? huge money, and to be the spokesperson yeah. in that many commercials, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's that like guy's, Doris. That guy's buying Doris dinner. Roberts. <laughs> Doris Roberts was the, the was the person who did the uh, she's from Everyone Loves Raymond and she did Glade mm -hmm. air freshener commercials and she bought a house in fact you know that house from um, Double Indemnity up in uh, up in the Hollywood Hills that crazy house that Barbara Stanwyck lived in in Double Indemnity Double, uh, Doris Roberts house shows up in that movie just as the one next door and she called it Casa de Glade because Glade air freshener paid for it that's right <laughs> 
Um, you know, you, you mentioned the painting with the shears in it. That is the one thing that is never uh, explained away in the film is that, um, you know, because everything else they have. Because when he goes back, you know, with the court, with the judge and the townspeople and, and nothing is the way he described it in the house. And they're all like, oh, you made it all up. The painting is back to normal. There's no holes in mm-hmm. it or blood on it or anything. And that is one thing that is never explained away, like how that was made to look like that uh and there apparently there was a deleted scene that did explain it had an explanation for what it, how it was done you know the guy that pulled this off uh well i thought it was pretty clear that he had done it and then you know because i just thought that that was what happened i didn't really question it well no like how did the painting when he went back not have holes in it anymore yeah they did, the actually, well they, like he didn't ruin it like like he did the first night he had a second one yeah, um, I can't remember what there was. That, a, they, they, and there was an explanation. It was something like that that they had. It was okay. like switched out or something like that. But that was one the one thing that was deleted from the f- finished film that didn't explain how he pulled that off. Yeah. There was another weird thing that I, I looked up and I just couldn't go there because it was getting to be you know the ri- <laughs> rabbit hole. But there's a weird scene where he's walking and that that dog walks by. Did you see that scene? Mm-mm. There's a dog right behind him. It's like an Airedale or something. It's like, <laughs> it's like it had to be, they knew it was in the shot. It was like almost right next to him. It kept walking. And apparently it had something to do with the deleted scene as well because they guess the dog shows up again in another part of the movie. But oh, okay. it was really obvious. Like, because you remember when the black cat jumps out at him? That was yeah. like one of those, it was just that obvious. But this dog just walking right behind him. It was very, very weird. And apparently that had something to do with the deleted scene too. Wow. Well. But um, so he spends the night in the house, writes the article, very successful article. Everyone's loving it. Well, Nicholas Simmons, the nephew of the murder suicide uh, uh, people, because uh, he wants to tear the house down. Yeah, because uh, he wants to develop it and also rid of any memories in that house. Mm-hmm. And um, this is where it gets a little bit like it's, it's it gets a little complicated because the man who ran the bank was supposed to sign off because there was a lien on the house. So the man who ran the bank, Nicholas Simmons, says, you got to sign off on this. He was going to, but it turns out that his wife, Rita Shaw, says, I own 51% and I'm into the occult society. And yes, I own 51% of the bank. And this is the first time we've had a haunting in our... Our uh, in our myths, and they have this little occult society where all yep. the old ladies, you know, do seances and things like that. So she says, absolutely no way are you going to tear this house down. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, this was a thing in the, you know, the probably more like the late eighteen hundreds into the you know early half of the nineteen hundreds. This occult. Uh, especially with women, there were like women's groups that was just like this, what this group was like. It was very common back then. They would um, do seances and try to contact the dead. Uh, and um, it was it was like a big thing back then. It was kind of like what our paranormal TV shows are today. Back then, it was uh, usually, I think it was largely, it was usually women's groups. This is something that they were super into um, back then, say, for whatever reason. So I thought it was really interesting when that popped up, this, you know, a psychic occult group <laughs> with their banner yeah. rolls up. I was like, I oh, that's very like of that era. Like a bored housewife thing, maybe, maybe. you know, uh, for people to have the, the means to be able to do that. that it, weren't, it was also, you know, you know, entertaining was more popular back then. And it was a way to entertain, basically, it was something to do. It's like, yeah. you want to play board games? You don't want to, like, summon the dead. I guess that's, that's where Ouija boards came in when they, <laughs> right, when basically, Ouija, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they became board, you know, parlor family games. They still sell them in game stores, you know, Ouija, yeah. Ouija boards. People out there opening portals <laughs> no. up left and right, man. 
Yeah, made by Milton Bradley. It's <laughs> just fascinating. To and me. if you use it, you can contact him. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, so Rita Shaw, who uh, she played, now she played Martha, the housekeeper in the in the show, The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, when that became a sitcom on television. Oh, interesting. Okay. And she was also one of the two housekeepers in Mary Poppins, her and Hermione Baddeley, that mm. would uh, the singing housekeepers. Uh, she was also in The Loved One, that uh, famous spoof on Forest Lawn, Escape from Witch Mountain, and uh, and she is in um, The Columbarium for, of Remembrance at Forest Lawn, right across from Hank uh, Kimball from Green Acres. They're almost uh, next door to each other. So she died on January 8th, 1982 of emphysema, mm. and she's buried at Forest Lawn. So, uh, but she's another one in all of those shows, all of those yeah. shows. And, and she, um, and also that, that thing she kept saying, the, the chant, it was Taro, Caro, <laughs> Salomon. <laughs> and all those ladies are flipping out. Oh God, I love it. That's so funny. But, uh, and they do that thing where, where he's walking by and they touch him and they all pass out from the, vi- the cosmic uh, vibrations. The cosmic vibrations, <laughs> man. Yeah. You gotta feel it. So, um, and then, okay, so then the other thing we have is, uh, then it goes to trial. You know, they make him spend the night in the house uh, a second time. That brings us to Charles Lane, who played the attorney in uh, representing Nicholas Simmons, who was suing the newspaper because of slander, because there's no ghosts in that house. You've slandered uh, my family name. Yeah. Yeah. And take it back or I'm suing you. And Charles Lane, we talked about him. He was in It's a Wonderful Life. He was in um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. He was in Arsenic and Old Lace. He was best friends with Lucille Ball. He was Mm. in a million, well, not a million. He was in a few Lucys. He was in The Munsters. Andy Griffith, of course. Twilight Zone, Beverly Hillbillies. uh, He's been in a ton of things. And he lived on Gretna Green. And he died, uh, he was 102 years old. Wow. He died in 2007. But he lived about like two doors down from Nicole Simpson. And when, you know, before she was murdered, remember she and OJ had domestics and there was a mm. time when, when, uh, when she called 911, when he was beating down her door at a different address, not the one where she was murdered. And Charles Lane, like lived next door, two doors down from Nicole Simpson when that happened. Cause wow. he was, he would talk about it. Like I was there, you know, that happened here. <laughs> and, uh, wow. so it's kind of, just kind of an interesting little aside, but uh, but he was um, he, Adam Twelve as well. He's been another one of another one of those actors that was in everything. But uh, 2007, July 9th, he died in Santa Monica, and uh, Bewitched. Though you remember him, Bewitched certainly. He played the he was in the the um, Nightmare the Night Before Christmas spoof where you know the grumpy client of Darren's who didn't mm. believe in Christmas. You got to work on Christmas. <laughs> so, um, Is that all your names? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, let's see. So, <laughs> oh, no, I didn't, like, oh, know, I didn't know no. if you're <laughs> adding something to that. No, I'm going to try to do this fast because some of them are just going to tick them off the list. All right. But uh, you, you take the so, lead because um, I don't know any of these names. Okay, so Charles Charles Lane. I, what, I, what I loved in the movie is how the old ladies were old ladies. Not very nice thing to say. And all the older women who were in the psychic sure. society were hissing at them when they walked into the courtroom. It was so good. Yes. Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that. It was cool. And then they brought in to, uh, to testify at the trial of Lose Their Sanity, they brought in Ellen Corby, 
who played the grandmother on the Waltons, who was also in It's a Wonderful Life. She'd been in Andy Griffith. I think she played a bank robber in Andy Griffith, like a Ma Barker kind of a character. She was in Vertigo. She was in Sabrina. Wow. She was in Glass Bottom Boat. She was in I, I Remember Mama. And, of course, Adam's Family, Beverly Hillbillies, I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's the one who kind of... Yeah, we're testifying towards Luther's sanity because everyone thinks he exaggerated uh, this whole ghost story when he printed when they printed it in the paper. And she's like, oh, no, you know, he's a good boy. He had the best imagination and started talking Mm. about how he told everyone he was the son of the Prince of Wales and that he could pick up the military uh, and his cavities, military (laughs) like broadcasts. On his cavity. So that kind of um, that kind of destroyed his credibility. And she was so sweet because she came on and said, I, you know, I hope I did well for you, Luther, afterwards. And she actually just threw a wrench in his yeah, whole life. She just life. completely crushed his life. Yeah. But most people remember her as the uh, grandmother on the Waltons mm. and who is a, a lifetime, a lifelong bachelorette. Mm, as they say. <laughs> if you yes. know what I mean. And mm-hmm. I think you do. I do. And uh and Ellen died on April 14th, 1999. She was 87 years old in Woodland Hills, California, at the Motion Picture Country Home. Ah. So, uh, so that was really those were the biggies that were in the uh, that they were in the in the movie. I mean, the rest yeah. of them, you know, the rest of the movie, I, we probably shouldn't tell the whole rest of the movie because people should see it. We don't want to spoil the whole thing. We told quite a bit, but the ending, there's a twist and, uh, you know, the supernatural thing is called into question and, uh, it's one of the Scooby-Doo endings, but in a good way, in a good way. Yeah. Um, I, I quite liked it. I liked, I thought the whole thing was done really well. I did look up one of the, one of the art directors, his name was Alexander Golitsyn, who won two Academy Awards. He did one at 43 for Phantom of the Opera with Nelson Eddy, but he won the Academy Award for To Kill a Mockingbird as the, uh, as the no art kidding. director. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The art direction on that film was movie. amazing, too. It was incredible. It was in black and white, too, to be, yeah. to be, yeah. And one of the greatest opening credit sequences ever, just a really beautiful, which I'm sure his art direction was a part of, that great kind of macro photography of like marbles and kids things. Uh, really beautiful opening credit sequence, yeah. He, he got the Oscar for that, and he also was nominated for an Oscar for his last movie, which was Earthquake. Oh, really? His last movie was Earthquake, which is a good one. They say it's a good one to go out on yeah. because that was a, a huge success. That movie was, and uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. So Alexander, he, he the co-art director with a band named George Webb, who had you know didn't have as many interesting credits to his name, but no less very very important to this movie. Yeah. And then lastly, the most uh, the, the the interesting uh, creature person I found was. Uh, was uh, I say creature, and it's actually appropriate. Rose Rosemary Odell, who was the costumer on this movie, was also the costumer in Creature from the Black Lagoon mm. and To Kill a and To Kill a Mockingbird. Wow, so uh, that's interesting. So they grabbed, uh, so they had a, the, the their art director and costumer were both To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, that's very interesting. Hmm. Like there were a lot of incestuous, you know, sort of with our cannibalized or however you want to put it, you know, people because there's so many degrees of similarities. You were in this and you worked on that and you got this and yeah. all these people were interacting. I can also tell you, though, I don't know how it was then. It's probably something similar. But now, you know, if you have like a, a production manager who's kind of their job to help find a lot of those extra crew positions like that, um, you know, they have their people that they like. 
And so there might have been a producer or production manager on this film who just, he may, if you look at their background, you might find out, oh, there's the link. He, right. That's the person who's bringing these people and reusing them together over and over again because they like working with them. And they're used to working with each other and costumes and, war- and, and set design usually have to go together. As you're talking about color palettes and stuff like that, there's, there's usually a connection between those two things. So um, that makes sense. God, you're so smart, Mike. That's some nerdy Hollywood stuff. It's Hollywood <laughs> it is. It's interesting. Stuff. I love yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. I mean, I've known people like I've known people that didn't get hired onto a you know, a, a thing that I worked on, for example, because the production manager had their own people that they wanted to hire, basically. So Yeah, I can see that. I get it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's incestuous. You know, I have yeah. a good relationship with that person. I want to work with them again. It's yeah. not necessarily nepotism because they people have to pay their own way. They have to come up with, you know, it's the people goods. that have proven themselves to you that you know do yeah. good work. So of course you want to keep hiring them. That's that, that's normal. That's not yeah. That's like the that's like it's like the opposite of nepotism. Like they earn that spot by doing yeah. good work in the past. Basically, yeah. Right. Um, our uh, our friend Kelly called this movie Knott's Scary Farm. And I thought that was ah, kind of funny. That's quite good. That's that very was witty, good. I like not that. Not scary farm. So they, if they, uh, if they good ever one, Kelly. Good it. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is that it? Did we do it? I think we're done here. Yeah, I didn't want to go into the ending because I want people to actually see it and not know how it ends. And but really, I I just love this movie so much. And like I say, it just encapsulates. You know, fun movies, scary movies back when movies, you know, didn't have to terrify you yet. They were they're spooky enough. Kinder. The term I've heard uh, before is called kinder trauma, where you you, when you're uh, when you're a child and you see an image that uh, that you'll never forget. Like in the Sinbad movie, there's a Cyclops. And when I was a kid, I saw that was like, I'll never forget that. It's like ingrained in my head. Right. so yeah, there's there's several kinder trauma moments. The garden shears in the throat with the blood uh, on the painting. Yeah. That's very terrifying for 1966. That's pretty pretty terrifying. Yeah. So um, so and that was the point. But uh, but it wasn't gross. It was you yeah. know it was it. But it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> A bleeding painting with garden shears in the throat. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. But I think right. uh, I think I've covered everything I want to. Well, well, we did your favorite Halloween movie. I think we should do my favorite Christmas movie for holidays. Preacher's the Wife? Wife. Yes. The Preacher's Wife. Wife. Sorry, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. With, uh, yes. 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 Uh, yeah. With, uh, you know, Cary Grant and Loretta Young and uh, David Niven, of course. Uh, just a classic. And I used to work um, on the lot where they filmed it. So they filmed that on which, what's now called the lot, which is next to Formosa Cafe. It's that lot there it used to be. I think it used to be called. I think it used to be part of Warner's back in the day, but now it's yeah. just called the lot. It's there on Santa Monica Boulevard, United next Artists. to Formosa Cafe. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, it was. That's where United Artists started, and I think Oprah oh, okay. owned it for a long time too. But yeah, oh, definitely yeah, um, for well, sure. Oprah is still uh, the own building. The building, the office building for OWN, the OWN Network. Oprah is still there, and she still shows up there about once a month for really? meetings and to do you know. P, you know, P, PSA, VO, voiceovers and stuff like that, yeah. Pick Promos. up her checks. Pick up her check, yeah. <laughs> have you ever, off topic a bit, in front yeah. of that studio, have you ever seen that diorama up there in front of that studio? Oh, the kind of the one that's on Santa Monica Boulevard? Yes. Yeah, I have. I've stopped and looked at it before. It's really odd. It's like metal. It's like you look, like in metal the, look in the little door and you can see like all the movie equipment and, and yeah. it's so bizarre that i've ne- i didn't even know it was there until like three years ago yeah and uh 
I'm surprised no one's, you know, broken it yet. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. or spray painted it or they had to close it up. That's a really, that is a really bizarre little thing. Uh, also, that, if you ever see um, if you ever see the film Trumbo about Dalton Trumbo, the screenwriter that got blacklisted, uh, one of my favorite films from the past decade, just really well done period piece from that era. Uh, King yeah. Pictures, uh, the King Pictures office that they go in and out of is the lot. It's one of those exterior facing doors uh, that they go in and out of there. I think they look like they probably filmed on Formosa for that. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, no, I look forward for to seeing that movie. I've never seen it, so I look forward. Oh to seeing Oh my gosh. It. Ah, it's great. You know what? It look is not. Is it the best Christmas holiday movie ever made? Probably not. But it, it's kind of like this movie is for you has a sentimental value. You know, it's a movie I watched. It's probably no, the holiday movie I watched is, the most growing up. Yo, this you, is the like, best. What are you saying? Movie, no, this that's, is the best. That's, that's the difference. <laughs> 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 no, I, I I get it because I saw the remake. I, I knew I saw the one with uh, the with Denzel? Whitney Houston, but I didn't. I've never seen the original one, so I look forward. I to should that. give the I should give the Denzel one a chance. I boycotted it only because how dare you? How dare you remake my favorite Christmas movie? But it's yeah. That's not. But that's yeah, not does giving, that really? That's not does it, it really genuinely, except morally, does it bother you? Uh, you know, because you figure, well, the, the original still stands. You know, I yeah. used to get a little defensive when people like when they did the Rocky Horror remake. You know, it was like people were like, "Oh, this is not outrage," and it, it it sucked. But the music <laughs> is still good, and I enjoyed yeah, that. I can see that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, it didn't bother me. It didn't affect the original. And, and people sure. are not talking about the Fox version of Rocky Horror. <laughs> you know, it's still not, <laughs> right. you know, so. Right. Uh, That's true. But I, I understand. I, you get feel sentimental and protective. I get that. If I mean, I saw, uh, yeah. I didn't see Disturbia when it came out, which was that uh, uh, with um, Shia LaBeouf. It was one of his earlier films uh, because it was I, yeah. I, I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, it's a ripoff of Rear Window. Like, again, how dare you? Uh, and then I finally did watch it. I actually, that was a pretty good movie. I actually enjoyed it. So I should give them a fair shake. And not if you don't so talk to it, that's a whole different thing. If you're ripping it off, that sucks. You yeah. know, that's, that sucks. That's, that should be, that's like, that's wrong. That's really wrong when you, yeah. You, this you, was more yeah, like but, definitely inspired by, but it wasn't like a rip off, rip off. It was the disturbing. Mm-hmm. was not like a straight rip off of, it was the, 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 they went in saying, what if a John Hughes had made a thriller? <laughs> what if you had a John Hughes teen movie, but it was a thriller? That was like the vibe they went for. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And Shia well, LaBeouf cool. has had his problems, I know, but this is before he had all those problems. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just, just a cute kid that was in a Transformer movie, you know, and then he <laughs> just turned into a disaster. But yeah. um, anyway. Yeah. By the way, I love your dearly departed jack-o'-lantern. I just Thank noticed you. it. I was trying to figure out what that yeah, was. Yeah, some... Somebody gave it to me, and then on the other side. Oh, amazing. <laughs> they that... had that made. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Oh, what a good gift. It was. It was nice. All right. Well, uh, boy, Scott. Attaboy, Mike. I waited all episode <laughs> to say that. Love your print. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and you can get an Attaboy Luther t-shirt. Did you know that? With Don Knotts' face on it. Google it. It exists. That sounds fun. Yeah. It's actually a really nice design. I recommend it. Cool. I'll check it out. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for the tip. 
Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, please uh, join us on Patreon if you haven't already. Dearly Departed Podcast. We do extra episodes between these main ones, and it is a big help. It helps us keep going. And we are very, very grateful to all of our Patreon supporters who stick by us. Thank you, thank you. and Very much so, yeah. Thank you. I can't wait to do the next episode. November. Yeah, we're Maybe to, if we can well, find we'll do the a- Carpenters. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, do we the Carpenters. About that. Let's we keep my, talking um, about it. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got all my fan club letters ready, and I have to yes. scour through them. So yes, uh, we've been talking about doing sure. the carpenters for like six months. Let's finally do it. Yeah, all right, I'm in. I'm in. All right, thank you guys for watching. Thank you. All right, and go watch uh, the Ghost of Mister Chicken for Halloween. Had a boy. Had a boy. This has been an episode of the Dearly Departed podcast. Dig up more episodes at dearlydepartedpod.com and on iTunes and Google Play. See you next time. <laughs>